Welcome to the Millionaire Secrets Podcast, where the most successful people in the world share their secrets to help you create the awesome life you desire. Welcome everyone to another episode of Millionaire Secrets. Jeff Lerner, your host, always thrilled to be back with you for another episode, another conversation, another riveting session of learning and growing. We are joined today by a, a quite a luminary figure in his field. You know, we do our best to go out and find experts and some of the best and brightest and most successful today. We've certainly accomplished that. We're joined by Garrett Sutton. He is an attorney specializing in asset protection. And there's a lot I could say about him, but the thing that's going to probably grab the most headlines is that he's actually the legal component of the Rich Dad Advisor Group. If you're familiar with Robert Kiyosaki and his book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, and his Rich Dad Advisor team, Garrett is the legal brain in that brain trust. Um, and Garrett, I'm stoked to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks to have me, Jeff. Appreciate it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll set this quickly up that uh, I act, this is not my first time meeting Garrett. Garrett and I met briefly, I guess that would have been early December. We hopped on to do a recording like this, and I had no more than maybe five minutes before that call, I had found out that my mom had terminal cancer and had like weeks to live. And I was like, a, I was like a crying, blubbering mess. Um, and Garrett very graciously um, agreed to reschedule. So I, I appreciate that little curveball I threw at you, Garrett. Um, and I'm glad to reconnect. So you know, we were talking just before the show, just before I hit record. And, and you know, usually I, I try to do a little bit of prep on these. I, I probably shouldn't admit to this, but like I came into this intentionally unprepared, if that makes sense. Let's call it, I was prepared to be unprepared um, because I thought, you know, if there's anybody in my life that I would love to just sit down and, and pick their brain for an hour, it would be an asset protection expert because of kind of where I'm at in my life. So I'm like, why try to pre-plan it? Let's just do that. And um, I'm sure your hourly billing rate is uh, significant. And so if at the end of this conversation, you feel like you need to bill me for an hour, I won't be offended because I'm totally self, self-interestedly going to try to squeeze a ton of great knowledge out of you for myself and for the audience, because you know this asset protection conversation is um, one, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong, but it's probably a little bit like medicine where it, people tend to, to call for it after they really need it instead of, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? Am, am I right there? You know, uh, Jeff, there are plenty of horror stories where people call up and they haven't taken the steps to form an LLC or a corporation and they've been sued. And at that point, it's too late. So yes, there is some of that going on, but you know, uh, with Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Advisors, trying to educate people ahead of time as you start building your net worth and your asset base, you've got to protect it at the same time because we're just so litigious out there. People are suing right and left. And if you hold assets in your individual name, you're an even greater target. You know, attorneys realize it's hard to get through some of these LLCs. And uh, if you have enough insurance, and you have things properly structured, you're gonna be much better off than the guy that just thinks that it's okay to have assets in his individual name. Yeah, you know, the thing that I have found now, I've been an, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 16 years old. I would say that I've been an entrepreneur who was doing things well enough that anybody would have cared to bother to sue me for, uh, you know, when you're, when you're like, just start now, but nobody's gonna come try to squeeze blood out of a turnip or whatever. But that's been since about 2009 is when I kind of started making some money. 
So I got 12 years now. I've been sued. At one point I was getting, there were two parties that were suing each other and I was caught in the middle of it and they both decided to sue me. Like I was like, I was intentionally had crossfire coming at me. So that's twice. I had a partnership that broke up that we ended up suing each other. So that's three times. Oh yeah. And then recently I sold my agency to a company and I ended up, there were two lawsuits. I've been sued five times in 12 years or, or either I've been sued or I've sued. Yeah. What I've, what I've come to real. And like, the thing is, I'm actually like a pretty good person. I don't like do horrible, unethical, you know, duplicitous things. Lawsuits are just a tool of business. And, and would you agree with well, that? Unfortunately, that's true. I mean, some some of the uh, bigger companies will use litigation as a you know, as a way to get their way. Um, you know, I'm sorry that you've been sued so many times, but you know, it's just a lesson that you need the asset protection. You need to use these entities. You never sign a contract in your individual name. It's always as Jeff, president of XYZ right. Inc. Uh, you know, when you sign a personal guarantee, that's a whole nother matter. You're guaranteeing that if things don't go well with the business, you're going to be personally responsible. So we always counsel people to think twice about signing a personal guarantee. But, you know, the use of these entities will not guarantee you won't be sued, but it will certainly help prevent that attorney from getting at your personal assets. Right. So I'm, I'm going to give a quick example. Because I think, again, people that haven't fully delved into the world of, of business, right? They might think like, how the heck did this guy get, was involved in five lawsuits in 12 years? I'm going to give you a quick example. And you, you can probably tell me, is this normal or is this like, I, I've just, you know, somehow have bad luck or something. So I sold my agency in 2018. My, I had a digital agency and it was a bunch of recurring subscription clients. So I sold it and then... They were supposed to pay me out over two years. And I'm not going to say the name for obvious reasons, but by mid 2019, they stopped paying me. So in order to get out of paying me, they actually sued me to say, to basically say that I had misrepresented the, the value or the attributes of that customer base upon point of transaction saying, well, we, we estimated or we were given reason to believe that the, the rate of churn and the customer satisfaction issues and this and that would be X, but it ended up being Y. And therefore he as the seller misrepresented the asset. And whereas I'm sitting there going, I didn't misrepresent the asset. You guys bungled the asset because you didn't have a transition plan. You didn't know how to support them properly. So you're the reason the asset did so poorly because when it was with me, it was doing fine. But then they just sued because that's a more expedient way to just kind of get out of your paying your bills. And then in my case, I had to try to turn around and counter sue to try to get them to pay me. So right. that's two lawsuits right there. Yeah. But nobody's like a bad guy. It's just business people doing business stuff. Right? I mean, is that a fairly typical scenario? Yeah. You know, in the sale of business, you do see that where, you know, there's a, a recurring payments that need to be made. I mean, I always counsel my clients, if possible, get the money up front. Yeah, less than learned, a, by the way, 100%. a little bit less money, but get it all up front so you yeah. don't have this uh, incentive for them to sue so they don't have to pay the tail end of the, the compensation. Um, 
But, you know, people would sue even if they paid in full, they would make the claim that there was misrepresentation. So, I mean, a lot of it, Jeff, depends on who you're dealing with, too. I mean, I, I think doing background checks on people, uh, you know, maybe having a personal guarantee on their part that they're going to pay you. Yeah. Uh, if the business can't pay you, they're going to pay you. That doesn't stop a misrepresentation lawsuit like you experienced, but it does make them think twice about if they lose the lawsuit, they're going to be personally responsible. Exactly. Because in this case, they ended up fire sailing the assets of the business. And so even though they didn't beat me in court, they still never had to pay. I mean, whatever, that's a whole other story. But I, so I just set that up for like people to realize, like, once you get out there on the battlefield of business, it can get pretty messy pretty fast. And, and no plan survives contact with the, they, in war, they'd say no plan survives contact with the enemy. In business, I'd say no plan survives contact with the market. Um, or with so, the lawyers. <laughs> or, oh my gosh, right? Seriously. My yeah. mom was an attorney too, by the way. I have deep love, right. but also probably some real insight into attorneys. But um, so let's so let's take a step back then. Let's assume people aren't at the level I was at doing, you know, big business deals. When should somebody start thinking strategically about asset protection? And I actually ask that on behalf of two different types of people. One, people who have, let's say, jobs and the kind of like the normal life and the other camp would be people that are trying to start a business or have a business right at the start i mean i think that when you get started in your own business if you operate as a sole proprietor meaning you haven't formed a corporation or an llc just go out and do it on your own you can do that but you have no asset protection so if you get sued they're going to go after your personal assets they can renew the judgment every seven years Right. So you're getting started and you're going to start building your assets. If you get sued early on, they can still go after you later. So uh, the idea that I'm poor now and they can never come after me doesn't always hold true. As well, with a corporation or an LLC, you're going to have a much lower audit risk. The IRS looks at people who operate as sole proprietors as easy pickings. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're not a, a corporation or an LLC, the IRS position is, well, maybe there's something funny going on here. And they audit at you at a much greater level than they do if you're an LLC or a corporation. So, and you want that asset protection at the start. I mean, you don't want your spouse to get angry at you for losing the equity in the house, which can happen. All right. Yeah. So just it's not expensive to set up one of these LLCs or corporations. And, you know, business people, will understand that you're serious about business if, it, if your name says LLC or Inc. behind it. You know, if you're not that serious about business or experienced in business and you operate in your individual name, it's just kind of a, a negative mark against you. A sophisticated business person would, would not do business with you. Yeah, I, I actually can echo that. I mean, we're at the point now in my business where it would have to be a very unique circumstance where we would contract just a person. Um, it just, yeah, it's a, it's just a whole, I don't know if it's purely an optics thing and it's just my prejudice or if there actually are some technical reasons, but that, maybe it's just a prejudice. I'll own it. We, I mean, just a person, unless it's like through Odesk or Fiverr, or one of these online freelancer yeah, yeah, marketplaces. Right, right. But even then you're, you're foregoing the tax benefits. Exactly. And so, you know, there are tax benefits. If you set up a business, I like using an LLC tax as an S corp, 
we can minimize your payroll taxes by thousands of dollars every year just by using the S-Corp taxation. And, you know, I don't know if that's appropriate to discuss here. It's in these books over my shoulder. We talk about it. But work with a CPA and attorney. And, and if you're starting a business, I think the S-Corp taxation is a great way to go because you have to pay 15.3% in payroll taxes, mm-hmm. right, on salary. And if you operate as an LLC, not as an S-Corp, all of that is subject to payroll taxes. And so we want to minimize that by using the S-Corp taxation. So there are really good asset protection and tax reasons for setting up these entities right at the start. So I want to ask you more about this because again, as I've alluded, I'm getting, I'm at the, like, I mean, just, I have, for example, an attorney here locally who's setting me up multiple trusts, trust for my kids, taking portions of my business and putting them in control of my kids and pre-planning the fact that someday I'm going to die. And there's all, you know, right. I'm kind of, and I, I, I'm grateful to have this problem, but I've reached a level where it's like, I got to, it's going to cause me a lot of money to not get proactive on this stuff. But, but so anyway, I want to go deeper with it. And hopefully we have time. I can truly, truly like pick your brain from a pure legal consult standpoint, but I want to step back. Um, and actually, again, uh, just so you know, my mom, actually, she was a trust and estates attorney. So a lot of the same kind of stuff. But there's a lot of attorneys in this world. I think there's like a million attorneys in the United States. More, more than that now. Are there yeah. more now? Yeah. And, and I remember reading that the average attorney makes about the same as the average school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which, no knock against school teachers. It's not only, you know, impact isn't only measured by money. But the reality is, I don't think most attorneys went to that much school and spent that much money on their degree to go make, you know, $55,000 a year. And it speaks to the reality that not all attorneys, I mean, the attorney is something we have in our mind is like, oh, if you're an attorney, you're probably rich. That's not the case. It's actually a relatively small percentile of attorneys that really achieve major success. And it's an incredibly small percentile of attorneys that end up as the rich dad advisor. So back me up because so much of what this show is about is about performance, excellence, human achievement. What makes the greats great? What made you so good? You know, riddle me that. You know, I, I always like the, uh, there's a, a guy, John Mackey, who was from this area, minor, and, and his, his statement was hard work, good luck. You know, and, and for me, I, I always just worked hard. Yeah. And when I, when Robert Kiyosaki came along, I mean, that was a stroke of huge luck. Cause like you said, they could have picked anyone. Um, but throughout all my practice, I, I, I put in the time I worked hard. And if you keep at it, the, the good luck will happen. And that, that's what happened to me. Well, I appreciate the humility, but uh, I think it was Goldwyn, Samuel Goldwyn from MGM, Metro Goldwyn Mayer, who yeah. you probably heard the quote, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah, I, I have certainly found that to be true in my case. Um, right. So yeah, what, what was the origin that, y- you know, it's not so much like, how do you work hard? I think how you work hard is you work hard. Why did you work so hard? What, what, programmed you to be that kind of, you know, high percentage, high or, you know, high percentile achiever? 
Oh, I had demanding parents. I mean, you know, uh, so many parents these days want to be friends with their kids. My, my parents were first and foremost parents, you know, and they were demanding. They made sure that I put in the time. Uh, my dad was a county judge in Oakland. Mm. And so, you know, not only do you have your dad, but you've also got a judge. Uh, you know, that was a little bit of pressure. Um, so I, I think that, you know, from an early age, I was just always expected to put in the time and effort. Do you find that in life you tend to get what you expect? Yeah. I certainly have. I, um, yeah. you know, if I, and, and some background, you know, frankly, you're not the typical guest that I have on this show. Most of the guests I have on this show are more, let's call them more purely or classically entrepreneurs. Guys that went, struck out, disrupted, created a category, you know, you're an, you're an asset protection attorney, right? But you're so uniquely good at it that I feel like you absolutely are just what this show is after. What I'm trying to get at with this show, you know, I guess I, I don't have the right verbiage for it, but it's like, what makes the greats great? What allows certain people to have outlier success? The show is called Millionaire Secrets. I'm sure you would agree with me that being a millionaire, you know, having a net worth of a million dollars in this day and age, depending where you live, may or may not be that great. Um, yeah, you own a two-bedroom house in San Jose and you're a millionaire. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, I mean, I talked to a guy the other day who bought his house in the 90s in Toronto, Canada for, and granted, these are Canadian dollars, but, you know, he bought it for like 200 grand and now it appraises for 1.3. He's a millionaire, you know, right. and, and in his case, he's actually an elite performer, but that wasn't the point. The point is just buying a house in the right place at the right time can make you a millionaire. That's not what I mean by millionaire right. secrets. Right. I right. mean, what's the X factor? What's the secret? What, what is it that if we could bottle it and pass it out to the world, it would dramatically transform the quality of the world that we live in? Um, you say you had demanding parents. I know a lot of people who had demanding parents who, I mean, I grew up in a pretty like elite environment. I went to this private school and some of the parents were really demanding and some of the kids ended up total degenerates. So there's more to it than that. What else, man? Help me understand. How'd you, how'd you just get so good? Um, God, you know, I haven't really ever thought about this. Jeff. Most people don't want to challenge your humility enough to ask you to explain how you got so good. I don't care. I think, I think humility is, is kind of a, I don't know, a, a, an overvalued asset. If you're great, tell us. You are. So well, how here's, you get there? here's how I would explain it. Our, our company, Corporate Direct, you know, provides a high le level of service for corporate and LLC formation at an affordable price. And the reason our company is good is we have a really good staff, right? It's not me. It's the people working here that are just terrific. I, you know, I, I wouldn't give them up for anything. So that for me is what is important. And I think a lot of these entrepreneurs think it's me, right? And it's really everybody on the team. And if, if, if this is who you think you are, and that's it. I, I think you're going to have trouble with your team. I, uh, I really set you up to give a very egoistic answer. And I, I acknowledge you for, for very wonderfully flipping it into what I imagine is the right answer, which is that it's, it's about the team. Um, it's not Garrett Sutton 
attorney at law uh, or Esquire or wh however you're known. Well, but but so how do you well, go ahead? That's say what Robert more. Kiyosaki teaches. I mean, we travel around the U.S. and around the world and it's all about your team, right? I mean, you need a lawyer, you need a CPA, you need a banker, you need a good team together. And then within your organization, you need a good team. Uh, the idea that you as the entrepreneur can do every single thing perfectly it doesn't work that way anymore. You've got to use specialists. You've got to use the right people at the right time and acknowledge that. Don't, don't think that you're the, the hero, you're the, you're the Superman. I mean, you've got to have a team around you to really make it work. Yeah, in fact, I would, I would suggest that your goal should get to where heroism from you as the founder completely optional, ideally totally unnecessary because you've just built such a great team right. and created such good processes and documented the processes and created such a strong culture and, and trained and, and inculcated that culture that there's this amazing team that probably makes you look good every day. Yeah. You don't even have to be, I mean, honestly, you don't even have to be that good. I'm kind of getting to that point now where like, I mean, I do these interviews, I create a lot of content, but day to day in the business, I'm surrounded by people that are so much better at execution than me. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And so that you know that, right? I mean, and it's amazing. That self awareness, that self-awareness is good for you, right? So how do you, I'm curious for you, I mean, obviously you built that in your organization. Uh, how do you create, whether it's whatever word you would call it, a culture or an energy or a value set or just a, a, a recruiting aptitude? How do you create that so that you do get such a great team that it kind of sets you free? Well, we'll put people, you know, we'll use temp agencies and all, and we'll, we'll hire people for 90 days. And, you know, usually we can tell in 90 days, the person's work ethic and aptitude uh, sometimes we hire them on after 90 days and, you know, in six months, it's, it, it just wasn't right. And so, you know, we, we let people go if they're not the right fit. I mean, we have a good team right here and I'm not going to do anything to upset that by bringing in someone who's going to be jarring or, you know, not, not on the same page as the rest of the team. We pay monthly bonuses. Everybody works together and they all get a bonus at the end of the month. And I just want that teamwork. Yeah, they say uh, hire slow, fire fast, right? Yeah, right. I, I have found that to be one of the hardest parts of business to fully step into it because you feel unkind or unempathetic or unsympathetic or whatever. But man, when you get to the, when the stakes get high enough, you have got to become ruthless on the back end of underperformance. Hey, you know what? No harm, no foul, but not here. Got to go right. see you. Don't let the door hit you. <laughs> um, and, and I don't do the firing. I, I am not good at that. I don't, really? I, I don't do the high. I mean, I meet them, but I have uh, staff that are really good at the hiring. And if something needs to be done, they're really good at the firing. By the way, really good reason to protect your assets too, because when you fire people, Sometimes they'll come back and say a lot of things. Yeah, but we try and be gentle. I mean, we try and, you know, uh, give them feedback and how they can improve in their next job. I mean, it's not yeah. like we relish the whole thing. Uh, we don't. 
uh, we actually want it to work out, but sometimes it doesn't. And you just have to, for the sake of the team, you have to let someone go. So, so backing up then, because obviously you didn't, you, you know, on day one, you didn't have a team. You were, you were just Garrett Sutton, newly fresh law school grad. Uh, where'd you go to where'd you go to law school and how'd you start your practice or how did you start practicing? Well, I went to Hastings Law School in San Francisco. It's the University of California's law school in mm -hmm. San Francisco. And uh, everybody's all excited because Kamala Harris went there uh, after I was there. So anyway, um, so I practiced law in San Francisco and then I practiced law in Washington, D.C., and then I lived up in Sonoma County where Santa Rosa is and practiced law up there. And I just kind of got tired of the big cities. Mm -hmm. And um, I had spent all my summers at Lake Tahoe and, and I wanted to live and work where I could enjoy life and ski. And so I just decided to move to Nevada uh, in 1989. I had to take the Nevada bar exam 12 years after I took the California bar exam, that was not a fun summer. Those bar exams twist you. So, uh, but I moved up here and it was just the right move. Uh, I really enjoy it up here. It's a great legal community, a, a great community. Reno is just a terrific community. And uh, I've just, it's just been a, a stroke of good fortune that I decided to move up here. Did you, did you start your career with a, with a firm or did you go into private practice right away? I started with a, a big firm, you know, that's typically how right. you do. And let me tell you, when you get out of law school, Jeff, you don't know which end is up. I mean, you know, they teach you the stuff, but at least when I went there, they didn't teach you the practical side of the practice. And so, you know, you have to spend, and it's unfortunate for the employer, but you've got to spend a couple of years uh, just learning what it is to practice law. And certainly it took me a couple of years yeah, actually, in my um, inside of Entra, we have a mastermind group for you know, it's kind of like our, our highest level of engagement with our students. And one of the gentlemen in there is an attorney who's been in private practice 25 years. And he was before that, he was at a firm for seven years. And he's actually building a course. Uh, we're helping him create a, a whole knowledge enterprise around attorneys practicing in firms that have that kind of entrepreneurial itch and want to go into private practice but you know he's got 25 years worth of mistakes that he's made that he can package into a course and and partly uh you know properly equip people that want to make that decision but also properly inspire them as to how powerful that that choice can be if they do it right um so it's, i i happen to have been recently kind of with him digging into a lot of the things that you know a how, how unprepared new law school graduates really are. That is absolutely what, accurate. For what practicing law really entails. And two, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but they don't tell you one bit about how to actually go acquire a customer. <laughs> no, no. Right? And so, you know, they have their means of, of teaching law and they then you have to take a bar review course because the bar exam is a very difficult uh, course. And, and there are companies that know how to present the information to you that perhaps you didn't get in law school. You know, you take an eight week course and they prepare you for how to take this exam. And, it, you know, it's more exammanship than anything else. 
but to have a book uh, like your client uh, is mentioning that, uh, you know, would, would save you the first five years of mistakes and maybe teach you a little bit about, you know, law, law firm marketing and, and how to get clients mm -hmm. and how to run a business. They don't teach in law school how to run a, a practice. So I think that would be a, a terrific book. This has been a paid endorsement for Entra Institute. All the things you didn't learn in school but should have. Thank you. Garrett Sutton. Totally kidding. But you basically just pinpointed the the reason for being for my business entrees. Like, how do you go learn all the things that you didn't learn in school that you need to know if you want to actually go out and create a life of your own choosing in this world rather than just settling for what an employer will give you? Uh, yeah. And, you know, if you don't have the book, you're going to learn it. I mean, everybody has to go through it. I mean, right. if it's three or four years, you're, you're going to learn it. And you know, just know that you're going to make some mistakes. I mean, everybody before you did. So, you know, it's not that dramatic, but. <laughs> well, but you know. three or four years, is a lot of opportunity costs between not only income, but quality of life. Yeah. Um, and, and especially in the modern world now where, and I'm curious your take on this, because I say it all the time, but you're uh, older and wiser than me. So. I think the world now has gotten so big and so crowded that in almost any endeavor, there's so much competition that unless you're one of the best, you're just everybody else. And it's your experience of it's going to be kind of, it's going to kind of suck, honestly. <laughs> like there's only a few in any endeavor that really, really have a great quality of outcome and experience. And, and so now, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't know. I just feel like there needs to be a completely different level of intensity and focus around the preparation and the execution than even there was maybe, I don't know how long it was you got out of law school, 20, 30 years ago. But do you feel that that's true, that the, the market has changed and the standards have gone up now? Well, within the law, uh, less people are going to law school. I mean, mm -hmm. the opportunities are, are just not there like they used to be. I mean, you can go online and get, you know, a lot of legal information yeah. that when I got out of law school, no internet, uh, you know, people did not know how to get that kind of information. So, and, and my law school, Hastings Law School, to their credit, has reduced the number of students they're teaching every year because there just aren't that many jobs out there. Um, so, you know, that's one way to handle it is the schools just, you know, the market will correct itself, right? I mean, the kids coming out now, coming out of college can, can do the research and see, like you said earlier in the show, Jeff, you know, law school graduates are on average making 80,000 a year. It's not 800,000 a year, it's 80,000 a year. And so is that what I wanna do? Do I wanna go to law school for three years and, and twist myself around a bar exam and then to make 80,000 a year. And do I want to pay student loans back yeah. of, you know, $300,000? I mean, I think in some cases you're better off being a welder in all honesty. Um, it's just people though, I think are starting to ask these questions critically, which is good. Mm -hmm. Once again, you're doing a wonderful job of, uh, I didn't even give you a script, but you're, you're, you're hitting all the points on why Entra. Yeah, I mean, it's not $300,000 to go learn skills that matter. And certain, you know, the, however, we're not a law school. Uh, we can't teach you how to practice law. But, but yeah, this is all, this is all so, so true. Um, 
So, so let's fast forward. You go out on your own, you start your own practice. How did you end up gravitating towards asset protection? You know, even at uh, law in law school, Jeff, I really liked corporate law. That was my favorite course. And, you know, corporate law is the foundation for asset protection. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, then Wyoming came out with LLCs after I graduated and I, I just dove right into that. They were fascinating to me. So I learned everything I could about LLCs. And, you know, you, you, you go to the area of law that is of interest to you. Um, and I'm still reading and, and I take every course I can on LLCs. So, you know, this is an area that really interests me. And so that's what you gravitate towards if you're lucky. I mean, if you get caught up in a firm and you have to do things you don't like, I mean, that would be, that would be hell on earth for me if I had to practice law in an area that I didn't have an affinity for. So, um, you know, and there are people out there that have to do that, which is unfortunate. So let's talk then, let's talk asset protection. Um, so take someone like me. All right, I've been an entrepreneur. Uh, well, I've basically been an entrepreneur my whole life. Um, but in terms of really doing businesses that, well, actually, I mean, I go all the way back to when I was 19. Is I think it was 19. or No, I was 22 when I started. I actually set up my first company, which I didn't set up an LLC. I set up a true S corporation, um, which I, 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 I really... Yeah, but I will tell you this, I realized, um, and I don't remember exactly why, but I did some math at some point and realized that over the course of my career, I probably paid about a million dollars in taxes that I didn't need to. Oh, that hurts. Because I was set up that way rather than using a LLC taxed as an S-corp. Um, does it, does it occur to you why that would have been? It's been like a couple of years since I figured this out. No, that doesn't make sense to me, actually. But I mean, there must have been another reason. Um, because the S-Corp and the LLC taxes the S-Corp are pretty much the, it's it's function the same. The same. Oh, no, you know what? It, I'm sorry. You know what it was? It, I, I just came back to me. And this is why this stuff matters. The whole time I thought I had an S-Corp and I just trusted my accountant, it was a C-Corp. That would make a difference. It was yes. a C corp, so I was yeah. paying an extra. What's that? Ten double tax. Yeah. yeah. So, so take a lesson for me, and I'm not, I'm not expertised enough to tell you exactly what happened, but I know because I got some either bad advice or in the absence of advice, and I set up one thing instead of another thing. I realized years later I had literally given the government a million dollars I wouldn't have had to otherwise. So, call Gary. The rest, the rest of us, thank you for that because they need the money. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I'm sure that uh, a lot of people, a lot of school lunches, a lot of you know healthcare for whoever was paid for. Right. You're welcome, um, but no, seriously, I mean Garrett or someone like Garrett is your friend. And bear in mind, this is stuff I did when I was 22 years old. I was making no money uh, over that entire decade of the first decade of this century or millennium. I I never made more than like 50 or 60 grand a year. But it, then this decade, I started, my income started going up. And it was like, by the time I clued into all this, you know, look, that's a million dollars that it cost. Well, and that's the, that's the thing, Jeff, about advisors. I mean, you know, some people think, well, gosh, I'm going to pay $5,000 to a CPA. But that to save a, a million dollars, isn't that worth $5,000? 
you know, and you shouldn't have to pay that much anyway. But I'm just saying that the you, you pay a little for the advice, but the advice can save you a million dollars. I mean, that is literally that yeah, is money well spent. Li literally, it can. Um, so so then, OK, anyway, that, I got to vent and tell my my sob story and what it could have should have. But so now you know, as things are really ramping up, I mean, I've done really well over the last decade, roughly. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of going to another level. And I'm just like, I've got I've got I feel like I'm scrambling. So I kind of want to ask, like, what should I have done, whether it was 10 years ago, or 20 years ago, what should I have done before I was now feeling like I'm under the gun? Because now I, I literally I feel like I have a target on my back. Well, I mean, you have the right to set up entities whenever you want. If you're being sued, that's a little bit more of a challenge. Uh, but if you're getting started in business or you're in business now as the sole proprietor and you haven't been sued, you're, you're perfectly fine to set up an LLC right now. And so it, 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 there's no harm in changing how you do business. If you're a sole proprietor now and you go, you know what, I'm starting to make money and I could get sued, it's really time to set up that LLC, probably taxes and escort. Um, if you're just starting out and you've heard the horror stories from other people, just know that you really need to set up an entity. And as we discussed earlier in the show, there are plenty of reasons to do that, asset protection, taxation, and the rest. So. I just think that people shouldn't be afraid of this idea that attorneys are so expensive. You know, I mean, we charge a very low fee to set up the corporate uh, package for you, including the registered agent, which you absolutely need. And, you know, when you're starting out in business, you've got to budget for these types of things. You've got to budget for a CPA. You've got to budget for an LLC and just make it part of your budget and don't cut corners on these important things. Because Jeff, as you just said, you could have saved a million dollars if you'd had the right advice. Just think about that. And, and I can say when I sold my agency, uh, one of the things that my attorney at the time told me was like, you got to get a personal guarantee. And if you don't get one, don't do the deal. I didn't get one and I still did the deal. And Later when I, you know, I, I ended up dropping the lawsuit because I was throwing good money after bad, but you know, I probably spent 50 grand on a lawsuit that I could have mostly probably avoided if I'd had a personal guarantee because I, I would have just had to rattle the saber a little bit and they probably would have ponied up because they had so much more to lose. Right. And so by not taking my attorney's advice on that one point, uh, you know, cost myself minimum 40 or 50 grand in legal fees and potentially close to a million bucks if I had taken his advice and followed through and won the case. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I've, you know, I've just seen it now. I've seen how, and I remember somebody telling me once attorneys, you know, they may seem expensive, they, but they are so much less expensive before you need them than after you need them. <laughs> right. That's I mean, absolutely true. You yeah. know, the ounce of prevention. Uh, it, it's, it's just so much easier at the start to set things up right. Um, you know, if you're getting into business, I always recommend that people look at getting a trademark. I mean, that's a valuable asset hmm. that you should get. And, and they're thinking, oh, well, geez, I'm going to have to pay an attorney 
a couple thousand dollars to get a trademark. Well, what if you're infringing on someone's name and they send you a cease and desist letter and then you're spending $10,000 to change all your letterhead and signage? Yeah. I mean, these are all things that you need to consider when you're starting out. Yeah, and I think there's something psychological about it too. You know, as an entrepreneur, I, I, not even as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneurial educator, I have, you know, shepherded over thousands of people coming in and saying, I either want to, I want to start a business. I, some call it a side hustle. Some call it a career change, whatever. There's a lot of people saying, I want to do a new thing. The, the, the statistics on how many say they're going to do it versus how many actually do it versus how many actually stay in it for a year versus how many actually stay in it for 10 years are, I'd say they're depressing. Um, dramatic fall off at each one of those markers. Um, I think there's something about being a professional from day one that psychologically commits you to being a professional. Right. When you go incorporate and you go set up a business bank account and you go start building, you know, you get a Paydex score and a Dun & Bradstreet score and you start building business credit and, and, you know, you maybe pay 10 bucks a month for a business checking account instead of a, you know, consumer checking. Like you do these little things and it's kind of like putting on a suit. It just changes the way you feel. That's a really good way of putting it. I, I never really heard it put that way, but you're right. I mean, you're you're suiting up for battle, right? And yep. so why not have all the uh, tools and, and protections that you can when you enter this battle, instead of going in blind and, and uh, exposed, um, take advantage of the legal system. The system is there to help people take risks, right? The government wants you to take risks because then they can collect taxes on you when you succeed. Mm -hmm. So the government allows all these protections to encourage people to take risks. So yeah, put on the battle armor and take the risks. So what do you recommend uh, beyond the you know, incorporation? You know, I mentioned I'm setting up um, trusts, uh, something called, and, and my attorney's smarter than me about this stuff, but a spendthrift trust is one of the mm -hmm. things I'm setting up. I'm still learning what these terms mean, but what is there? Is there more you recommend beyond simple incorporation um, for people to really begin with the end in mind. And, and I say the end in mind, I mean, like, if you're starting a business, why, why would you plan to not be successful? Right. Act as well, if you're going to make millions of dollars and begin with that end in mind. But with that said, what do you recommend you do beyond just incorporation? Okay. So the corporation or the LLC at the start is important. Maintaining them every year is important. Uh, you know, I think if you have a family, a living trust is important, uh, but setting up the entities first makes more sense to me than, than the living trust. Uh, you know, the joke I tell when I teach the class is uh, we set up the LLCs first and the trust second because you're more likely to be sued than die, right? So we want to right. set up the LLCs first. Uh, but, you know, beyond that, uh, spendthrift trust, asset protection trusts, you know, as you gain significant wealth, those are strategies that you should consider. But out the gate, you don't need that. You just okay. need an LLC. Okay, so I was, I, was, I was not necessarily wrong for not having those things in place until I was reasonably far down the road in my journey. Correct. Okay, cool. And I, I know you can't give me specific advice because you're not my attorney, but 
Um, okay, cool, cool. And then what about asset protection? Is there any counsel you give on the investment side? In other words, what types of, of investments people make with their money? Because certain investments have more inherent, you know, protection. Well, let's say you have a brokerage account in your individual name. If you get sued in that horrific car wreck and the insurance doesn't cover the claim, I recommend everybody have an umbrella policy of personal insurance. But let's say the insurance doesn't cover the claim. They can go straight at that brokerage account if it's in your individual name. So we always have our clients set up a Wyoming LLC to hold the brokerage account. And when you transfer it from your name into the LLC, it's not a taxable event. You haven't sold the shares, right? You're just transferring how they're held from your name to your LLC. That's essentially a capital contribution to the business, right? Yeah. Yeah. You haven't sold anything. Yeah. Uh, a lot of my clients invest in gold and silver and bullion. You can use a Wyoming LLC for that. Uh, crypto. Uh, Wyoming has passed a lot of laws that are very favorable towards crypto. They want to be the first state uh, for crypto investing and a Wyoming LLC to hold your crypto, uh, your Bitcoin and all makes sense. Uh, certainly LLCs for holding real estate uh, make a lot of sense. Um, and then when you invest into a syndication, let's say you know, you're gonna invest in a 500 unit apartment building and the promoter is putting together an LLC, you can invest in your individual name in that LLC Excuse me, but sometimes it's best to have your investment be through your own Wyoming LLC just to give you that better uh, measure of protection. And Wyoming is not expensive. Once it's set up, it's only $52 a year. Hmm. So, I mean, you just have to look at this as another insurance payment. Yeah, it used to be Nevada was the hot state, but then they bumped there. It's like 500 bucks a year now in Nevada, right? Or something. Well, for a corporation, it's 650 a year. And for an LLC, it's 350 a year. Mm -hmm. It used to be $85, but Wyoming at $52 a year, they don't list your name on the state website like Nevada does. Yeah. I know I have the map of Nevada in back of me here, but a lot of our clients are using Wyoming. And what's that other clause? I've, I've heard something in the state of Wyoming that... And this is the last question I'll ask because I know you, you've got a, a time stop coming up. But there's something that allows basically like a proxy ownership in Wyoming where essentially you have controlling decision making control in a business, but you don't actually own and, and thus have the liability for the business. Uh, well, no, I mean, we would have a Wyoming LLC where you're the owner and the Wyoming LLC it's fine if you're the owner because we have the asset protection in Wyoming. Someone, you get in a car wreck, Jeff, and someone wants to come after your Wyoming LLC, you're going to walk into court and say, I'm the owner. You know, you're not going to hide that from the judge. And the, the law in Wyoming is that the person suing you can only get what's called a charging order, which is a lien on distribution. So whenever you receive something, they get it. You may not receive anything. They're sitting around waiting. And so the attorneys who know how to get at the insurance, we like having an umbrella policy of personal insurance. There's insurance money that the attorneys can get at. And then we have Wyoming LLCs. And really the attorneys who are on a contingency, right? They only get a percentage of what they collect. It's not a good use of their time right. to go after these Wyoming LLCs. And that's a great illustration of kind of the point I was making earlier is that litigation very often is a business tool. 
it's it's all about incentives and uh, in, you know what's in it the the risk versus reward right so if you can structure yourself in a way that de-incentivizes the effort required it doesn't mean that it's not black or white it's not you're right or you're wrong or you're good or you're bad it's just you're you're harder to get to than maybe someone else they could go after same thing with right. government regulators too right sometimes they'll just be like well do we want to go after this guy or that guy well that guy's a little more shielded so we'll just go make our case over here yeah you just you know it's like when a bear is chasing in the forest you just don't want to be the slowest that's right, right. well said yeah um well okay so garrett listen i know that we're, we're actually about out of time i want to respect your time um how i mean this is i feel like we've scratched the surface of a world of information. And what I hope is that if nothing else, we've, we've shaken some people up to go, okay, I really do need to pay attention to this part of my life or my business and not, you know, cause it's an, it's an easy thing to ignore until it's too late and you wish you hadn't. So well, hopefully then it's too late. You can't ignore it then it's yeah. too late. We've hopefully accomplished that. How can people go get more information from you? Maybe it's about your services, but just how would you invite people into your world? Well, our website is corporatedirect.com, corporatedirect.com. And we offer a free 15-minute consultation with the incorporating specialist and, you know, explain our fees, what our services are and all. Uh, you can also call 800-600-1760 uh, to set up a free 15-minute consult. But the main site, Corporate Direct, has a lot of information about us, a lot of articles, uh, a lot of information on asset protection uh, that many of your uh, viewers probably would benefit from. Okay, wonderful. We'll, we'll grab that link and put it in the, uh, in the show notes, wherever it appears. Garrett, Mr. Sutton, counselor, attorney at law, sir, I appreciate your time so much. All right. uh, thanks for Thank being a guest you. on Millionaire Secrets. You just finished this episode of the Millionaire Secrets Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please like and share this episode and do leave us a review. Let us know how we impacted you today. Your next step toward creating your awesome life is to join me and thousands of others in the Entra Nation community where you'll receive free training, networking with other awesome life seekers, access to live events, discounts, merchandise, and other awesome perks head over to www.entrenation.com. That is www.entrenation.com and join us today. And of course, do please follow me on social media. I can be found on all the major social networks at Jeff Lerner Official. Thank you again for listening and please go be awesome.